Welcome to episode 76 of Control-Alt-Revolt. Everybody's working for the weekend. I'm Nick Cole. I'm Single White Medusa. And we are here to please and entertain you with a little uh, iced coffee with Oon Pump of Mint in it today. Very refreshing. Very refreshing after seeing the Clint Eastwood movie Cry Macho. That was a good movie. I enjoyed it. It was nice. It's kind of relaxing. What did you like about it? Um, besides uh, some stressful moments, I thought it was very nice, actually. It was uh, no agenda, obviously, which was great. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just, like, a, a nice story that was gritty, but yet sweet. It was kind of good. What did you like about it? Um, I just like watching Clint Eastwood. You know, he's he even at 91, he's still this really watchable actor that I pretty much grew up with my entire life. You know, and now he's, you know, that could be his last film right there. Yeah. And uh, just seeing kind of the the notes that he wants to go out on, um, and and I liked it. It was it was it was a nice movie. Um, is it a perfect movie? No, it's really hard to find a perfect movie. I think COVID shot a lot of productions in the foot, and you can kind of you can see kind of that going on. But it's still like it's it's a nice sweet movie. Um, my guess is that after Clint's performance for Romney. That, that Hollywood made sure he was never, ever going to, again, work with any sort of top-tier, you know, talent at, at, in post-production or anything like that. But it, it's it's a nice movie, and he's a consummate filmmaker, and he's a movie star. And there aren't a lot of movie stars left anymore. There are, are star zygotes that, you know, um, special effects their way to the top, and they're managed by these huge teams and then cast aside, like, every six months. But Clint Eastwood is one of the last movie stars. The last movie star, in my opinion, right now, is a man that you may or may not have heard of, and his name is Brad Pitt. (laughs) Yeah. He is, like, the last movie star. And the interesting thing about Brad Pitt is you're like, well, yeah, of course, everybody knows Brad Pitt is such a big movie star that he could um, read the telephone book, and you would pay to watch it. That's actually the definition of a movie star. If If you will watch them to read the telephone book then they're they're literally a movie star and that's that's true people will um but i i actually think that brad pitt kind of became a movie star later in life even though he was you know always kind of a star and a pretty boy and a very interesting talent but generally he likes to play character roles and that's not what movie stars really do movie stars kind of end up playing themselves john wayne was always john wayne in every movie he might have been dark john wayne he might have been Genghis Khan John Wayne, but he was John Wayne. Yeah, Tom Cruise is kind of like that, too. Like, yeah. he's pretty much always, you know, yeah. the little ding kind of smile. Yeah. And uh, But Tom, yeah. yeah, and Tom Cruise is a movie star in a lot of ways. But I think in the end, his association with Scientology is, is going to be harmful for him. And also, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, it's just Tom Cruise's life is too strange. Yeah. But... Brad Pitt, you know, he he actually doesn't really become a movie star, in my opinion, until uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then he completely becomes a movie star in that movie. He literally becomes kind of the modern Steve McQueen. Yeah, he was really good in that. Um, yeah, so uh, you are right about Clint Eastwood. Like, he, he was, like, so minimal, but it was so interesting still. Like, he was just... I don't know, like, really dry, and kind of, like, his delivery was just, I don't know, it's, like, so minimal, but yet 
it was perfect and like it would even make me laugh sometimes like because he was just so like no bs um to the other characters he didn't do and that was always kind of his trademark he didn't do anything to protect himself uh he took off his hat and let you see that his hair is you know pretty wispy and pretty thin he didn't uh he could have stayed in a whisper which he has done entire movies in whispers wow um, but he lets you see that his vocal cords are, are, he's losing control of those. And at points he sounds a little Muppety in there. Um, but what he did in this is he did something he rarely does in movies is he smiled. Yeah. And I think he set himself a bar. I'm not going to kill anybody in this movie and I'm not going to get killed. And I think it might've actually been his last movie because I think what he was saying in this movie is, and then I lived happily ever after, oh, which yeah. rarely happens in his movies. You know, he, he rarely lives happily ever after because his character is not, even when he wins and shoots everybody down or whatever, he is not a happily ever after character. But you definitely get the sense from Cry Macho, which was a novel in the 70s, um, that that this character is going to go back and have some pretty happy times for what remains. Finds a little gal. She seems to like him, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it was it was fun. It was it was it was very evocative, and, and I enjoyed it. Yeah, me too. Um, so, oh, I I know we were gonna answer Jr.'s question. Jr. No one cares, Jr. <laughs> he told yeah. him I gave him PTSD again for giving oh, that, no. and so I typed it back to him. No one cares. <laughs> no one cares well, about. That was a perfect answer, I guess. Right. And then he laughed. He's fine. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah. He the interesting wondered... thing is my mom called me last night, and she yelled in the phone, no one cares, and I had to coach her through a few deliveries, but then she nailed it, and I thought of all the people, I figured she would, you know, like, she would call me Nat because most people don't know my real name is actually Bo. It's Nick, too, but, but I grew up with the name Bo for reasons. Um, and she, she would say, now, though, that's not a very Christian thing to say. But she has reached a Clint Eastwood point in her life where she's out there hitting people with blunt force truth. <laughs> and, uh, and she's also, I think, getting whopped by blunt force truth like a lot of us. And you're kind of really seeing what people are about. And I think you know, I was I was surprised that she thought no one cares is a great motto. And I'm like, it sure is, Mom. Yeah, I was surprised, too. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <clears throat> J.R. wondered... When you were talking about um, how we think sometimes, lately, a lot of times, that the FBI might be stalking us, <laughs> you wanted to know, well, what are their tells? What What's making us think that? Well, why don't you go first? Okay. And you said it was all me, but I would say you're the one that noticed it first. And once you kind of brought your theory to my attention, then I started to notice it, too. Um. So we're not for sure, obviously. We're just being careful. Again, we're nobody. This is a nobody podcast. I'm a nobody writer. Yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. I don't think I'm a big deal or anything. But there have been weird patterns forming. They've done so much weird stuff lately. It's just like I wouldn't put anything past them to drum up some incitement charges or something, you know, from some MAGA people. So I agree with you, but yet I wouldn't put anything past them. So... I mean, I think it's just simply that, like, almost every time we're out for a meal lately, um, we've noticed that there will be a single diner who will suddenly come and sit next to us, or, you know, at a table right next to us, or whatever. And that used to be kind of rare. Like, 
you wouldn't really see a solitary diner very often and suddenly it's every time and they kind of seem interested in listening to what we're talking about a lot of times it seems like so again it's it's vague you know like it's not for sure but what about it the guy is at the weird. coffee house when we met one of our listeners that one was really weird actually um did we ever even tell him that we noticed that i don't like our, our friend i don't think we did right we only have a few friends we don't want to scare them off <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so we're sitting there with the other couple and like the whole time there's this guy and he's not even sitting at a table and chairs he's just sitting on like a little low wall he like moved his table wall. he moved his chair to be as close to us as possible Oh, that's right. He had a chair, just right. a, a chair, and he had a book, like a book that he was supposedly going to be reading, and he set that on the wall. But the thing is, is he never picked up the book the entire time, and I thought that was really weird. You know, single guy, solitary guy, he's not even sitting at a normal table. He has a book there, but, like, why did he not pick it up the whole time? And it was, like, a long time, probably, like, an hour at least. And he kept his camera up between us and him. Like his yeah. camera was in his hand, and yeah. then you photographed him. Yeah. So the funny we thing we actually is, like like post his photograph and and but yeah. Yeah. So the thing is like so Nick and I were facing him and our friends had their backs to him, and I thought you know what this is so weird. Um, I'm just gonna like I'm not gonna make a big deal of it. I'm not gonna like aim and try to frame it just right. <laughs> I'm just gonna like pick up my phone, put it on the camera app just hold it up real quick like I'm looking some, at something on my phone and just like shoot really fast just shoot a picture of him so that's what I did like completely candid I didn't wait for like a good moment and then the weird thing is the picture kind of like tells it all like he is looking up at us but looking just off to the side so it kind of looks like he's not looking at us but he's it he looks very aware like he's really paying attention and listening and again it was a total random moment because I was entire trying time. to be really not obvious. The entire time. Yes. And the interesting thing is, like, that meetup was a text conversation meetup with specific times and details and everything like that. So we know from Tucker Carlson's whole debacle that they are reading our text messages. Mm-hmm. Like, sometimes when we come to get coffee or we go to a restaurant or whatever, it's, it's very spur of the moment. Yeah. You know, and so, but it is weird. It has been unusual lately the amount of single diners that will come in and sit right next to us and that it's just it's just it's just a strange pattern and i always just chalk it up to well you're very striking looking you're very beautiful and and men are kind of bird dogs so i'm just used to guys kind of like overly focusing on you and obsessing with you um but this has been different or weird like sometimes they've got their back to us and like they'll even get like two menus but they'll sit there the entire time and then I'll start screwing with, just like, <laughs> I'll funny. start making up like, well, you know, the operation were, <laughs> and hilarious. I'll say, I'll, I'll make up like a phony operation name, like, <laughs> you know, like Eagle Potato. <laughs> and, and, and I'll, and I'll just use all kinds of ridiculous terminology, some from the military <laughs> and some from just like spy thriller novels and talk about targets and, you know, stash houses and, and, uh. You know, now, and it, I'll, I'll clearly, but I'll, but, but we were in a restaurant one time and there were two singles and both of them were facing away from us. But every time I would say like a really funny keyword, 
this one sort of very FBI bald, you know, Hank from Breaking Bad looking kind of guy <laughs> would turn around and look at us, yeah. you know, like it was just funny. I so know. we're probably just nuts. And, and, and now we just killed the podcast because people are like, one, these two are narcissists. And two, they're crazy, which usually crazy people are narcissists, because you've got to, you've got to be the center of your own grand conspiracy. But, and I agree with that. I mean, that's really a good way to spot conspiracy people. But you can ask my business partner. I go to great lengths to disappear inside the things that I write. I'm very much not about me. I don't want to be a celebrity. I don't want to be a, a big timer or anything like that. And you're a complete introvert. Yeah. And yeah. and we like generally we we like to have less and less people in our lives. We are we we are pretty much just happy being by ourselves. And then you know we do things with people and everything like that. But you know primo loco, uh, we, we kind of like to do our own thing. So we're not we don't we're not interested in drama. We're not interested in being at the center of a grand conspiracy. We're not bored. We have like tons of projects that we need to be interested. We don't need you know, a secret government cabal project following us around. And you and I have, have met crazy people one time, like one time at the opera. Oh yeah. We've met, like you will meet people who are clearly disturbed and they will, they will, they will create these fictional stories about how they're involved with major celebrities or people in the production, everything like that. And the tell is like one eye is always twitching. Yeah. This lady's eye, <laughs> she said she She's had... telling us having an affair with the conductor uh-huh. and, you know, and her eye was twitching, and, and we were like, whoa, this lady's crazy. But I would say that I've never been like this before. This is not my normal thing. However, I think we can all agree that things are not normal right now. Things, and are, so, things are very not normal. Right yeah. Now. And so I think, and there's a lot of bad stuff happening, even from our government, especially like from our government, from our FBI, like all this stuff is legit and all this all of that is real and so i think it doesn't hurt to be extra careful extra aware right now does that mean that we might suspect stuff that's not not happening yeah but what's isn't it worse to have something like that going on and not be aware well so here's I what i can tell you careful. i can i can tell you that you know um I had a publishing partner, a major corporation, and they they wanted to have a conversation with me on the weekend after 1-6, and I, I've talked about that. And so I know that some of my fellow writers um, or, orchestrated a cabal basically to take me out of the running, you know, because usually uh, Jason and I's books usually rank number one and stuff like that. And I think that they thought oh, here's our chance to kind of take him out, you know, blah, blah, blah. And there was a lot of concern trolling, and there was so much concern trolling that they had to call the CEO. I wasn't doing anything on 1.6. I was just saying, whoa, this is crazy. But, again, authors are some of the worst people in the world. So they went to my publisher, one of my publishers, I have a few, um, and I had to have a meeting on a Sunday afternoon and, and tell that publisher, hey, it's none of your business what I do, and I haven't done anything, and... You know, we just want to read your tweets to you. And I'm like, I'm not interested in you reading my tweets to me. And they got shut down. And they, they ended up getting cool with it once perspective was shown to them. Not by me, actually, by someone else. Um, who's very smart and intelligent and reasonable. And uh, I was glad to have that wingman in my corner. But I won't identify that person because uh, I don't want them to be maligned. You know, I don't want the mob to go after that person 
like to go after me. You can just look at some of my reviews. Like, it's funny. I'll get all these one-star reviews on a book I've written, and it's in a series, and they'll be all, this is why these authors are constantly banned on Facebook. And I'm like, I've only been banned once, but that just tells me, you know, like, there's this campaign. So, again, grand conspiracy to get me and everything like that. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'm just crazy. It's just like... I think both you and I are big on pattern recognition and we're noticing a pattern. Mm -hmm. You do put together, well, they went to one of my publishing partners and tried to basically indict me for the FBI. Did they call the FBI? I don't know. I I guess I would say, yeah, probably 50 to 60%. They called the FBI on that day. Um, And maybe the FBI is looking at me and trying to figure it out. And I'm probably not helping my case when I talk about Operation (laughs) Wiener Potato and... (laughs) And, and the targets, and you know we're go for a green group tonight, and know you know we've got to we've got to get the assault elements in charge, you know all these like just stupid stuff, but <laughs> you know I'm sure I'm not gonna think it's funny when I have to spend the weekend inside an interrogation facility. Yeah. But I'm pretty good at working out with minimal sort of uh, equipment. Mm-hmm. So because I understand muscle kinesiology and things like that, and what groups need to be worked out, so. I can spend most of my time in the interrogation cell just kind of working on my abs or working on my dips and stuff like that, get that done. They probably won't get me any writing utensils for the weekend. I don't expect to be there much longer than the weekend before they realize I'm an idiot Um, and I know nothing. But, you know, it could be six months. I figure over the course of the six months they'll give me something to write with, hoping that I'll confess. I might even like, hey, maybe I'll confess. And then I can get, like, I could just really stack novels in there and get that done. Then I come out and give it to Jason. Bazam! I, you know, I was just remembering, though, even besides the cabal attempt thing that you were talking about right after January 6th. Right. Um, I, I recall that... That was my straw. <laughs> I know. I recall something else weird happened well before that. Do you remember your very nice editor who was... Yeah. A woman who was totally yeah. your friend, and she came and told you, but she said, "Yeah, uh, hey Nick, this is really weird, but someone from wasn't it from the New York Times? From the New York Times. Someone from the New York Times called me, or emailed. Was it call? It was call, and yep. they wanted to call, and they wanted to they wanted to know if I'd ever been cruel or abusive to her, or you know if I had any issues with women or whatever. And it was weird because I said, well, what's the name of this person? And then they gave this name, and I looked up the name." And it was the name of, like, this suffragette from the, like, 1900s. Oh, so right. yeah. it was probably some kind of weird activist. But, like, weird stuff like that has happened. Um, and, by the way, she had nothing yeah. to say about you, obviously. And yeah. But the point is, like, Everybody there would me. be nothing. Everybody except this one guy named Kevin loves me. <laughs> but there would Not be... Kevin Summers, the other Kevin. <laughs> there would be nothing of that nature that anyone could say about you. Part of the reason is um first off you respect women but second off i like them too the way that we conduct our marriage like we're literally together all the time yes and you also very specifically like won't be alone with a woman but i I mean we're together all the time anyway but you and i have been in situations and i've said don't leave me alone with that person because i'm getting a weird vibe and and you're just saying you never know you never when know. someone will make totally make up an accusation yeah. out of thin air yeah. and um just And you've always got to do Keanu Reeves hover hands all yes. that kind of stuff. <laughs> I love that. Nope, just not worth it. Yeah. Just not. And I don't do anything without you and I've right. you know been in but 
those are just that's just parent that's just uh i chalk all that stuff up to um cautious paranoia because i don't want to lose what we've built right so i don't know that like a lot of those things the grand cabal but i just noticed that there that, that everything is getting weird that we have a secret police now uh that there is snitchery going on i've seen snitchery in my own life on the sort of like street level i've been snitched on you know at, at a businesses that I visited for not, you know, obeying the mask protocols and everything like that, or, you know, not being vaccinated and being a danger to society and all these things. And I've seen snitch, snitch, uh, snitching at the professional level, you know, with my fellow scumbag authors. So not all authors are scumbags, but a lot of them are scumbags. Um, so, you know, that's, that's kind of what we noticed. That that that's something that is that going on? Are the secret police out there in everybody's business? Yeah, yeah, they are. Tucker Carlson caught them. Um, other people are catching them. They're they're they've got a big trap going this weekend. You know, come on down to D.C. and get some maga cheese <laughs> and go away for a while. I, I kind of was looking at the date. I'm like, okay, so today's the 17th, right? So tomorrow will be the 18th. So, of course, they have, like, some clever thing. Like, it'll be 918. Oh, 918 is Nazi symbiology. You know, like, symbology. Oh, my gosh. Oh, 918. What happened on 918 was just unforgivable. You know, like, I mean, like, you you just, you look at the things that are going on. And, again, going to Alex Jones' country, it's insane. It sounds insane. Lab mice with human body parts. That dude was beating that drum for 25 years. That's insane. And then the FDA yesterday goes, oh, by the way, you know, they have been selling human baby heads, human organs to mice, to to facilities working with mice. And they have done this Frankensteinian shit that Alex Jones was talking about. Yeah, that was a some like a report that Judicial Watch came out with. And they're. I mean, they're obviously on our side, but they're legit. They're well, they're reasonable. insane. That they're racist. <laughs> they're really serious. Yeah. You know? And if they're racist and they're insane and they're right wing like Ben Shapiro, or right wing like Larry Elder, or right wing like everybody else, right winger. I love it when they say right winger. Then of course they're they're insane uh, magnats who want to throw throw over to the government. But what you know is like, oh no, these are the people that are reasonably asking questions. It's just that questions are now dangerous. Um, what we learned this week is that that traitors are heroes, Millie. Uh, questions are dangerous, and um, uh, you're all you're all y'all better take the vaccine or you're gonna die. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this judicial watch thing, um, it says breaking. This is from like a few days ago. Breaking. Judicial Watch announced that it received 198 pages of records and comms from the FDA involving quote humanized mice research with human fetal heads, organs, and tissue, including communications and contracts with human fetal tissue provider ABR. Um, and Interesting, then, like, it's funny when you said fetal humans, organs, and tissue, I suddenly thought of Inagata DeVita. Human fetal, fetal heads. Fetal he- humans, heads, and tissue. Not that we're making fun of this horribly... No. awful thing but, but. I'm, I'm a deeply flawed person <laughs> <laughs> i've told you when they put me up against the wall to blow my brains out the firing squad i'm gonna add my last request is can i tap dance yeah um and so we did actually 
hear of this from Alex Jones. But, um, but again, there's also everybody another... says, hey, Alex Jones is crazy for years because he says this this insane Frankenstein stuff for years, and now it's true. Yeah. And it has been true. It's been and, true the whole time. And there's these pricing lists, um, like fetal cadaverous procurement, and they have the service fee for them. And it's like second, uh, let's see, like first trimester... Um, per specimen, $515. Um, something, it's covered up. Calvarium, baby's skull, 8 to 24 weeks, Cal- $500. Calvaria is Latin for skull. Calvarium, yeah. Uh, $515 per specimen. Like, I feel terrible even reading this stuff out loud, but uh, I think we should all be That's aware of it. Because you're a good it, and it decent person. On, obviously. And monsters who sit around and say, well, you know, I, I no longer believe in your Judeo-Christian ways. I have evolved, and I believe in science. And, okay, well, if, if science is your moral reasoning, then you will do this Frankenstein stuff. You will try to put a baby's head on a mouse. Yeah, so, exactly, I know. And this says, an April 1st, 2013, quote, amendment of solicitation slash modification of contract Form that shows that the FDA purchased fetal livers and thymuses from ABR going back to at least October 2012, building, billing $580 per liver slash thymus set, but later paying a unit price of $685. So FDA is purchasing these things. Now the FDA is who? That's a right-wing, left-wing organization. That's a that's Even a conspiracy. Blood. That's a conspiracy. Oh, the FDA is a is an actual gut. And yep. and I have actually seen an FDA building. Have you ever seen an FDA building? Yeah, there's one yeah. near us. They look like small fortresses. Yeah. And the reason that is is because people hate the FDA so much. The capital that's being fortified today because. Uh, president Juicebox is the most popularly elected president ever. Um, that's every day at the FDA, and and like their their buildings, like the one here in Orange County, uh, is on Primo land. It's on Primo wetland, so that it can't be assaulted from three directions. It's got one, It's hiding behind the Google building too, which is insane. Mm-hmm. And it, it's got state of the art security. They don't want you getting anywhere near that building. Because people love the FDA so much. It's amazing how our government needs so many security forces now. Uh, private armies um, requires that they have the uh, the automatic weapons and flashbangs and grenades and all you know all the stuff that you can't have um, because you're because they're because they're on the right side of history. They're so well loved. You yeah. know they're they're doing because they're the they're the ones doing right. They're the ones that needed to stop Trump from launching nuclear missiles in the last uh, 14 days of his presidency. So they needed to basically tell, you know, they they needed to do something that if I would have done that in the military when I was in, and that was a long time ago, I would still be in jail to this day. Yeah. There are people still in Leavenworth today for doing what the Joint Chiefs of Staff, with the help of Nancy Pelosi, did. Yeah. Basically giving state secrets to an enemy that has vowed to nuke us and to destroy us. But no, China's our friend and all this kind of stuff. And we need to put barbed wire around the capital and we need more tanks and we need more military. You can only have this kind of gun and you really shouldn't have any guns. And you need this passport. We need to put this chip in you so we know where you are at all times. And would you mind carrying this phone around and talking into it and telling us all your state secrets and 
you know, we just we, we're not going to do anything bad. We're so good. Have you seen our FDA building? Um, we're so frightened to death that you'll come there and blow us up that we, we have to have kill zones and we have to have defensive towers and all these kind of weird things. And then you get into this stuff that people are talking about a lot lately, which is the massive secret underground bunkers that the government and private citizens are building like no tomorrow. And you think that's a lie and everything like that? Well, Peter Thiel is building a huge one down in New Zealand. Why is that? Why is Peter Thiel building? He's a conservative, kind of. Yeah. You know, but why is he building that? Who was the who was the uh, in the documents that the lawyer uh, for Clinton's for Clinton just got subpoenaed by Durham? There is a tech executive that is re- referenced. Mm-hmm. Who is that tech executive that was conspiring with Hil- Hillary Clinton's team to basically overthrow the president of the United States of America, the legally duly elected president of the United States of America, which ultimately they did. They may not have like literally done it but they defanged donald trump they stymied him at every level they did better at defeating the will of the people as represented in donald trump and invested in donald trump than any enemy nation has ever done and when george bush got up and said um that domestic terrorism was the greatest threat and joe biden basically said the same thing that was the biggest attack. Two presidents said that the American people are the danger to America. Yeah, but it just kind of proves what um, we've started to realize, and a lot of people have started to realize, and I think maybe Tim Pool kind of turned us onto this, but it really is, first off, uh, kind of a uniparty. As far as the yeah. establishment Republicans yeah. are kind of in with the Democrats and they just pretend to fight, and that it really is the elites against the people is really the battle. They want to keep making it like it's the left against the right and they keep pitting us against each other, but it's really so we don't pay attention to that. You them. can show and me a picture of it. Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi French kissing and I'd be like, yep, right there. <laughs> oh, don't. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, not a visual that we needed. Oh, uh, 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 <laughs> this love is true. <laughs> this love is true. It's all slow motion as those two old mummies go in on each other. Oh, Nancy. A whole lot slow down there, Nancy. Don't get carried away. <laughs> you know, Grandma Drink Drink is, like, blinking and having a seizure. She tries to, like... I bet she tastes like three-day-old martini. <laughs> um, And then, like, a final headline real quick on that fetal thing is... Because I want to I I get Nicole, Fauci Nicole would like to put Fauci, the button on three-day-old martini breath. <laughs> Fauci's in on this, and I want his... Gollum pandemic. name names. Pandemic Gollum <laughs> is in on everything, and he is the sexiest man no. alive. <laughs> At um, 80 years old, the mainstream... Like, this is like... I mean, sometimes I wonder if they're just gaslighting us all the way and constantly doing things to enrage us and yeah. to screw with truth and to get us into this trance dreamlike flicker rate state that Alex Jones is going on about lately, you know, where they're going to make us all, you know, zombies and they're going to machine gun us and everything like that. And they look at me with a straight face and say, you know, like some NBC anchor, you know, new not rapist Matt Lauer. And they're like, <laughs> busy. They've announced the sexiest man alive. And would you believe it's Dr. Anthony Fauci? Never. <laughs> no, no, no. Busy, 
Busy Martinez, the news reporter, she has to go. Oh, he oh, is he handsome. Sure yeah, is. yeah, that's and we all have to go. Yeah, he is. And then you're sitting there, you know, with your super taco burrito macho tote bag at Chipotle, and 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 you 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 know the TV is on because the TV has to be on everywhere so that you can be programmed everywhere. And the only conversation you can make with your loved ones is the two of you both choke down an extra double chimichanga chalupa. You know, deep fried in butter and, 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 you know, all the guacamole you can do. And you're like, you know that Anthony Fauci is sexy? <laughs> I'm so sad. I have fat white thighs. It's <laughs> a little rant for you there. Exactly. I, I like it. Yeah, so finally, this says, Fauci's agency grafted aborted human fetus scalps onto rats in $400,000 experiment, report says. So the thing that bothers me, like it's all of that is horrible, but like it's always the money that at the end of the day irritates me. Like I'm watching businesses go, you know, down. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing like what money would do and all. And and it's amazing how much broken glass our government will cross to give money to anyone but us for the most insane of stuff. Like they literally just give the Afghanis $83 billion worth of weaponry. Pallets of cash and blackmail. And then they turn around and they go, well, they need $56 million in aid. And I'm like, you know who needs $56 million in aid? Yeah. Downtown Los Angeles needs $56 million in aid. Your town needs $56 million in aid. Um, kids who want to go to college need $56 million in aid. Um, all the people that you put, all the welders that you put out of work on the pipeline, they need $56 million in aid. You know what else has been angering me on that front lately, too, is they even still lately continue to try to scare people with Social Security's gonna about to run out, yeah. you know, in, in a matter of years. Once you dump the $56 million back in there. And yeah. it's like, exactly. I'm like, well, you guys print enough money. Why don't you put some money back in there that you guys stole from it? Because isn't the reason it's running out partially because they've borrowed money from it from time to time? Or not borrowed, but just taken money from it for other things? Money printer go Bert. Yeah. And they've broken the nation, and they know they've broken the nation, and that's why they're giving away all the money, because they're trying to buy themselves friends in other parts of the world, because there are rumblings that there is going to be a civil war, and even the other side is, you know, the people, I think the uninformed other side is beginning to realize it's going to happen. Um, or they could just be like saying like, gosh, we really wish you deplorables would get to it and do another civil war so that we can get out of this. I think that a lot of them realize there, I think the Atlantic just had an article about it. There, there is going to be another civil war and MAGA is probably going to win. And then they say, and then they put, I was reading the article and then they're like, but don't worry, um, they'll lose control after a while. So maybe that's like the feel like, don't worry, the smart kids will, you know, once the, once the village mob has burned Frankenstein, we'll come back and all this kind of stuff. But to me, it feels like every day they, they figure out something to say or do that will drive us nuts. And they're, they're dead. And I think like, we're going to see this weekend. I hope nothing happens, but I think we're all of the notion that they're going to try to use this weekend to say, what, what, just a, to another incident like, oh, 918 was horrible. Or on Monday, does Nancy Pelosi, you know, go on Anderson Cooper with his little problem glasses and, and and she says, you know, we really do need to enact martial law. And you're like, yes. And and what I saw, it was funny in the Newsom election, what I saw the most is like 
the 70 million that Newsom was given to 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 get himself out of a jam like a lot of it was spent on social media and and it was all about mocking freedom they would call it free dumb wow d-u-m-b and like all of it was like wouldn't it be great if we gave up our freedom wouldn't it like this is really the way to go you guys are selfish for wanting freedom and everything like that and i do think we're heading towards this push where it's like we have to take away your freedom martial law for the greater good and if you're smart and you're right and you're actually moral like we are who have no morals then you're totally down on this and i think honestly they can effectively make that case because there's so many stupid people you know but but a lot of people like i I was on my walk today and i think a lot of people are starting to admit the delta variant has played out it's just not working so of course there's going to be a scary new variant coming soon um, to cover up the vaccinated deaths and uh, antibody enhancement dependency and those kind of things that are that are actual real stories. And I was thinking, like, as I was passing people on my walk, like, when it was all kind of bad, everybody was, like, you know, avoiding each other and everything like that. And I thought, well, as soon as the next variant comes along, because these people are so afraid, of course they're going to go right back to that. And, and it's just like, it's something that you do have to admit. I think the people that are listening to this podcast are rational and smart and intelligent and, and freedom loving and, and probably pretty good at risk assessment. And they've, they, you know, some of them have gotten vaccinated. I'm all for that. Some of them are wearing masks. I'm for that too. Whatever you feel that you need to do to protect, I'm not your doctor. I don't know a lot of you in real life. You may have concerns that you're not sharing with all of us in the comments. So I'm assuming that whatever you've done, that's to keep you healthy and safe. And then some people haven't gotten the shot and because they have MS or they have an autoimmune deficiency. And their doctor said, you know, I don't think this is a good idea for you. And then some people did their own research. And yes, and that was a thing yesterday. They're trying now to say that, that you researching is not research. That only the qualified researchers can research for you and then you have to listen to them but I give you an example. Fauci cited a research paper to justify remdesivir, and that research paper, the only thing in there was that remdesivir killed 57 people. He cited it as it because he knew no one would go read it. Mm-hmm. So, so that's something to consider when people say, "Don't do your own research. Let the pros research." That's bullshit. It's your body. It's your life. You're the one that's going to be carrying your half working body around or your spouse is for the rest of their life you should be allowed to make the dumbest decision possible because you're going to have to live with it and remember the pharma companies and the government they, there's there's no responsibility you know they're they, they they whatever happens to you it's not on them yeah um <clears throat> i think this is a different but situation. yet they want to tell you they want to tell you what to do right but it's not on them See, I, th- I think this is a different situation because there are experts on both sides of this. So we didn't just do random internet research from no-name yeah. uh, web pages where we don't know what, where it's from. It's like, this is from top doctors and top scientists. However, if you're on the other side of the argument, obviously you could say, well, I've heard the opposite from top doctors and scientists. True. So I think, though, there's a good case to be made that, like, you could kind of come down on either side of this and say that it's from 
you know, expert opinions. And right, the right. other thing I would say is their side, all of their quote unquote experts, they have a lot to gain <clears throat> by possibly pulling the wool over your eyes and lying to you because they're getting super rich off of this. Sure. Whereas the experts that we're listening to, they're literally losing their careers, losing their careers yeah. um, in order to be ethical and do the right thing and speak out. So why would they be doing that? Um, that's for the, any other reason you've nailed other it. than that's to do the right thing. The big one right there. Yeah. Is why would people be so desperate to throw away their livelihoods and professional reputation in order to deceive you? They wouldn't be. Mm-mm. But why would people be willing to gain billions in pharma money to deceive you? Well, they would be. Yeah. So, I mean, if you use that data point right there or navigational point or whatever you want to call it, you know, you've spot on nailed it. Yeah, I mean, that's a big one for me, for sure. And then, of course, you do a lot of research like that, and you continue to listen to them, you know, as they um, discover new things about it, and they continue to look at the data. And um, But anyway, the point is, like... I'm now not getting the vaccine out of spite. <laughs> well, I don't even care if it... Like, they come to me right now, like, this thing's going to save your life, and I'm like, spite. Well, it, I was going <laughs> to say, like, they've really shot themselves in the foot, because not only us... I'm but, not anti-vax, I'm pro-spite. <laughs> I know a lot of people besides us... Who literally now, like we used to get the flu shot every year. Now we're like, yeah. I, no, I'm never, I don't even want to get the flu shot now. Like I don't trust you. I loved getting the flu shot because I hate getting the flu because I've had it pretty hardcore a couple of times. And they, they've done such a great job on the vaccine campaign that I now don't even want to get the flu shot. Exactly. And, yeah. and we've heard other people say that as well recently. Yeah. So we're not the only ones. Great job, everybody. Yeah. I am not, I'm not pro spy anti-vax, but kind of. <laughs> um, but no, I, I really am anti-vaccine just because I've done my risk assessment. I've looked at my information. I've looked at my own personal health and how I conduct my life. And I give me better chances than the vaccine. Yeah, exactly. Me too. That may not be the case for everybody. Yeah. Everyone should do their own risk assessment. Yeah. And um, I know a guy who got run over by a car for... when he was 17 and he got really jacked up. And he's had early heart attacks and things like that, probably because of the damage from getting run over by that car. That's right. To that guy, I might say, mm, you know, your body's been worked already. You might want to get this. Yeah. But but you go talk to your doctor. You do you. I'm going to mm-hmm. do me. I, I really haven't had a lot of major injuries. Yeah. And even if uh, both sides think that maybe the other one is causing the variance or whatever, because I think both sides actually think that, the point is, like, we've already said this once before, but, like, I'm still not mad at people that want to get it, even if, yeah, it's causing it, whatever, like, because they're doing what they think is the safest for them, but they, they need to respect people like us who also think we're doing the safest yeah. thing for our It was like, so. in, we were listening to this, uh, the, the, the sort of overgroup and fewer from, uh, from Australia. Mm-hmm. And, and he was saying, um, we're going to give restaurants the right to refuse entry to anybody. And I'm like... <laughs> Well, are you giving him the right to accept entry? Entry, And it's like, no, it's all carefully constructed that you don't actually have any rights. Mm-hmm. You, you're, you're being given this illusion of choice. But, you know, it's like early video games when you thought you were doing something, but you're not really doing anything. Or they promise like, oh, it's a massive open world. It's just the entire open world is one road or <laughs> a canyon or a river. And you're not, you know, anybody who's played video games has tried to find the edges of things. Mm-hmm. And there really are no open worlds. There is a point where you, like in Free Guy, you run into the wall and there's no going past that wall. Yeah. And so that was the funniest thing about the Obergroup and Fuhrer in Australia. And just, and hey, I'm telling you, Australia, two to three months, maybe a year. That's what's coming here. Mm-hmm. 
um, and you look at what they're saying and the deception that they're going to and the verbiage and the onus, like I was talking about yesterday, that they're putting on the average citizen to enforce their scheme and hoping that you shoot them and you end up in the prison camp. Yes. You know, or that they kill you trying to do that thing. These people are literally turning us into um, gladiator. Mm-hmm. And that's why they're building the mountaintop fortresses and they have the private security armies. And I've even heard that they kind of own towns halfway between Reno and Rome. Some of you will get that message. Um, and and they're kind of insulating themselves because they know that there's a big bloodletting coming. And they're not 100% because they're smart that they're going to win. Um, if the If one side wins and that side's not on their side, I'm sure there's a game plan they have where they come out of the woodworks and say oh you've saved us and you know or or this was all you know an evolutionary test to see who was smart enough to survive the purge and now we will be your rightful leaders or um people could come looking for them and i think i i think you know the the funny thing is all of these people when you when you listen to these sort of like elites they love to read a book on history and they love to read Sun Tzu. And, and I'm telling you right now, Sun Tzu is not the definitive. Uh, Sun Tzu has some good information about war. But, you know, have, have you read Rommel? Uh, there, are other, you know, there are other things about war. And then also, you know, there's just sometimes war is just chaos. But they all read history and they think they've got it managed. Except they've made, they've made this classical blunder that humanity kept making for a long time until they stopped making it and 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 they stopped making it about 1918 and and that that classical blunder was to constantly put men and resources and hopes all in fortified positions like the Maginot line like the walls of your city and what humanity took a long time to learn is that that when you lock yourself up in a city it's not necessarily a great idea Things are going to start to go bad for you from the get-go because a bunch of people living together is just a giant pandemic waiting to happen. And then they've cut you off from your food and they've cut you off from your water and they've got a climate of fear. Meanwhile, they're just roaming around the countryside eating your crops, uh, building up siege ramps, t- chopping down your farms to make siege engines. They and, and they have no threat. They're free. They feel great out there. When they look at it, they've got you surrounded. So emotionally, they're ahead too. Um, and humanity made this mistake for a long time. And, and it's kind of funny because the Mongols taught about, I don't know, every city in China the folly of this argument. Because the Mongols would just sit out there and just waste you. And then you would send out your army and the Mongols would run away. And they would run away a little until the army was like far enough away from the castle or the city that they couldn't be supported and then the Mongols would just start shooting arrows at them and then they would die and then they'd go back to your city and then they'd kill everybody inside your city and stack a pile of bone skulls out there and, and that was that or sometimes they wouldn't because the Mongols were just insane but about 1918 humanity began to learn that hey the Maginot line that does not work and so whereas World War One was all fortification warfare for the most part um, World War Two was mobile warfare in which both sides decided never to actually own any fortifications and to make vast motorized armies, basically vast Mongol hordes that could keep shooting at each other from every direction. And now I see all these elites investing in fortifications, and I'm like, 
I know you, you, you've read Thucydides, you, you've read Sun Tzu, you've read all these ancient texts and like, you know, typical Myron big brains, they think they've got it all figured out and they imagine themselves, you know, all of us at the bottom in the zombie horde, you know, that they're making all these video games to train, like, you know, like Call of Duty was the big game to get everybody ready to go fight the foreign uh, brush fire conflicts that we called them in the, in the 1990s. And now there's a lot of zombie games because they want their side to be really invested to get ready to kill these hordes of dirty, starving people trying to kill you. And they and it's and you look at a lot of those zombie games, they're defensive. Put this tower up here, this machine gun nest here, these flamethrowers, these pits. And this is such old, old thinking. You don't have to do that. All you have to do is sit outside the range of their best sniper, which ain't that far and strangle them strangle them on that one road that they thought would be great to uh, control access of strangle them by burning down their crops around the countryside or just burning down where they live like or you know and they've made these big vast caves and fortifications but like if you've ever been down in a cave that that's emotionally uh that's emotionally rough to live in for a long time and oh no you can't come out because everybody all the zombies are up there and and the clue is we're the zombies and that's what they're doing. Exactly. <laughs> well, it got weird, didn't it? Does it get weird? Was that weird? <laughs> no. No, I mean, uh, we're in weird times. So. We're in weird times. So, like, I mean, it was Friday. We decided to be weird for you. We saw Cry Matcha. We had some coffee. And we just decided to kind of let it all out. And I was going to talk about editing again, but we did a pretty good podcast here. And we could come back on Saturday if everybody wanted us to come back on Saturday. But... You know, maybe we do enough podcasts this week, and um, and an and you guys, podcast. yeah, you guys want to kind of do your own thing. You don't need to touch base with us. You don't need to listen to all the podcasts. You could support the podcast if you wanted to by clicking subscribe for five dollars a month. That would be very appreciated, as you can tell. I'm getting harassed and and uh, probably getting kicked off of Facebook, but we got this place and we got the signal. I hope you're over there at the signal. We are having a great time over there. The signal now has a life of its own. Um, I don't even think people think I'm involved. No, they think I'm involved in it. But they're really, they're really having a cool conversation over there. Do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up this Friday? Um, yeah, I think just in these crazy times with what we've been talking about, um, you're never going to be just exactly the right amount of prepared or just exactly the right amount of careful. So I think you know, with our what we start the topic we started on, you know. Maybe err on the side of being a little overly careful right now. Being it's a, a little fun overly game. prepared. It's a fun game. You don't want to be underprepared. Yeah. You don't want to be not careful it's enough. It's not going to hurt you. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, I was thinking about it today, and I was talking with a friend of mine who's an SF operator. And he was just talking about how bored he gets on his workouts because he's, he's really into working out and everything like that. And I was, I did six miles today on my workout, and I pushed, like, I usually just do four. And today I went six, and I said, why am I doing this? And I said, because I think it's about to go down in some way, shape, or form, and I want to give myself the best chance at survival, and 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 then I said to myself, well, what if it isn't? What if it doesn't go down? And I'm like, well, it's kind of like Pascal's wager. I haven't lost anything. I've just stayed in better shape, and the things that I do, you know, sort of like, you know, training, and and stuff like that, that 
all goes into the books, as Single White Medusa can tell you. You know, like, all my... Every, like, there'll probably be something from Cry Macho in a book. Like, everything I do ends up in a book Mm -hmm. because I've written a lot of books. And, I you know, I need things to go in books. If you have a conversation with Tell Me Your Story, I usually warn people, like, I'm probably going to steal that. You know? And so I'm like, well, there's no loss. Like, my training just, like, I'll just put it in a book or, you know, it, it makes my writing better and everything like that. But, you know, suddenly, and I think that was about mile four. And that's when I decided, actually, I was, I decided that my heart right there is that I was going to go to eight miles. But then on mile six, I remembered that we had to go to Costco to pick something up before we went to Cry Macho. So I cut it at mile six, but tomorrow I probably will do eight. And I was just saying to myself, I think I, I, I need to train harder and I need to do more because I think something is about to happen and I, and I want to give myself the best. That's why I do CrossFit. I do a lot of jumping, running, climbing, slithering, hopping over, picking up things, explosive movements. Because when you get into those situations, those are the kind of – like the worst thing in the world is to figure out that you need something or need to accomplish something and you've never kinetically – trained that 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 you know everybody thinks they can just draw from their holster and just start you know handing out headshots like you know seize candy candy corn since it's almost halloween (laughs) um but you know unless you've drawn your weapon ten thousand times and acquired that front sight and landed it exactly where you need it to could you do that right now could you do that on the run could you shoot move and communicate while just walking you know, these are all things that y- you need to train and you need to do and think about. What if nothing happens? Great. You're just better if if something ever does happen in your real life, like your 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 home gets broken into or, you know, you're in another situation. But it probably burns calories. It's probably good for you. It's probably exercise. And that will help you to live longer. And if you write books, you know, or you read books, you'll be able to take de- detect the false from the unreal. So on that sixth mile or fourth mile, you know, as I was pushing myself to go farther, I got more motivated because I'm like, yeah, it could be on. And I really want to be ready for that. And so to me, then I started thinking about more ways to train. And I was like, that makes training more exciting because like, I kind of do want to get it on. I don't, I don't want it to get all crazy. I really would like someone to appear out of all the children politically and be an adult about everything and say, hey, stop making war on your fellow people. They're Americans too. I'd like a Michael Jordan to say even Republicans buy tennis shoes too, but we don't have that. We have a bunch of sociopathic slash psychotic children who want everything their way all the time. And anything that you don't want, they call names and scream. And now they're starting to say stuff like, you should be locked up. You should be dead. They are really saying those things. So I don't want it to happen or anything like that. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you ever get into a fight, you better start wanting it right then. You better be happy to be in that fight. You better have fun in that fight. I've been in fights and had fun. You know, you might want to have that mindset because it's better than thinking to yourself, Oh, I'm about to get whipped. Oh my gosh, how can I get out of this? Because that is weakness and that side will smell that weakness. So no, I don't want any of those things. No, I don't want a, an apocalypse or a civil war or anything like that. But when it does come, I'm going to have a lot of fun. Yeah. And that's the podcast. <laughs>